You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Star Wars news in a single file. This is Making Tracks. Here are your hosts, Mark Newbold and Mark Wolcaster. That's not true. That's impossible. Cool player, everybody, and welcome to episode 84 of Making Tracks, brought to you by the fine folk over at fanstracks.com. My name's Mark, I am one of your co-hosts, and this week I'm joined by the birthday boy himself, Mr. Mark Newbold. Gooper Mark, how are you doing? Ah, Gooper Mark, I'm very well, how are you? I'm good. For those who might be um, up to date with things, I have been watching some of the Ewoks cartoons and been picking up on some of the little Ewok kind of like language they kind of throw into each little episode. So as far as I'm aware, Gooper means hello or hi. And if it doesn't, I've probably insulted a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I think your efforts could be described as Gunda. Which is, exactly. There you go. Yes. Yeah, yes. Exactly. So I that's know. cool. How How are you, my friend? How's your week been? How's your birthday week been? And how's your week in Star Wars been? It's both have been fantastic. Uh, I woke up on my on my birthday on the thirty first. Shocked that I've got this far for a start. Clicked on Fanta Tracks and there was this wonderful video that the team put together with Darth Elvis singing. Uh, he knows I'm a Maiden fan, so he did a version of Wasted Years with yeah, changed lyrics. Uh, and then all you guys all wishing me happy birthday, which is very, very cool. And then, yeah, just a nice relaxed day, opening presents and loads of messages on Facebook and Twitter and socials, which is really cool, which is always nice. The Rancho Obi-Wan fundraiser that we talked about last week is yeah. now finished and mm-hmm. we raised £421. Oh, that's wicked, I man. I chuffed to bits about. So that's well over $500, obviously. So really, really pleased about that. So I can't wait to chat to the guys at Rancho and hopefully that helps a little bit. So yeah. that worked out well. So, yeah, no, it's been a really good week. Lots of little bits and bobs have turned up. Cool. What have I got? Let me look around. I've actually put most of it upstairs now, but my brother-in-law got me, I'm wearing it, actually, but got me a really cool Star Wars T-shirt, which is like the Ascent of Man, which starts out as the monkey and works its way all the way up to Darth Vader. And, oh, uh, some friends of mine down in Verwood near Bournemouth got me some Adidas trainers. They're the X-Wing trainers. Uh-huh, um, nice. Which are really nice. So I've got unusually weird-shaped feet, so I have to wear my trainers <laughs> in. I've got, I'm a size 11, but because my arch on the top of my foot is so high, I have to wear trainers to sort of stretch them in, and they always, they never last because I'm just odd shape. But uh, yes, I'm wearing those in at the moment. So yeah, so no, it's been a really good week, really good week. How about you, mate? My week's been fine. Yeah, uh, I have been decorating a little bit. We've uh, thought we'd take advantage of the uh, extended bank holiday weekend and just hit the lounge and just um, give uh, a fresh coat of paint and all that stuff. So I've been kind of doing DIY. I've had a few uh, bits and bobs this week come, but to be honest, nothing as exciting as X-Wing trainers. So, you know, <laughs> i tell you what I've had. Just received for Skywalker, a family at war. Oh, you've got Hardback that? Oh, book. right. I haven't yes. ordered that yet. I need to order that, yeah. Uh, I've not really looked at it, other than the front cover, which I have to say is absolutely beautiful because yeah. it's like a wraparound artwork, and it's kind of, uh, well, it basically just kind of covers Luke and Vader all the way through to Rey and Kylo. You know, just flicking through it, there's glossy images halfway through the book and stuff like that, which I always like. It always reminds me of the, the original paperbacks from uh, the original trilogy. Yeah. That, you know, again, like photos and that halfway through, which is cool. 
the actual book, I've not had a chance to kind of flick through as such, but from what I understand, it's basically just a, a retelling, isn't it, of yeah. the Skywalker saga, yeah. specifically focused on the on the family, which is quite interesting and a, a good take. So that's cool. And apart from that, I've been trying to sneak in a few little episodes of uh, the Ewoks cartoon as I can. It's a bit hard in between kind of like, you know, sessions of, of walls painting and drying and stuff <laughs> like that, but managed a couple of episodes. And, and I think that's kind of like a good place to start, really, because that's... Uh, that dropped earlier this week. So, have you had a chance to see any any of the um the, the new stuff that they uh well what they've collected under the the banner of vintage Star Wars? Yeah, uh, which I thought was an unusual choice, given that you know we've got vintage Star Wars figures and Star Wars the vintage collection. It's a it's a, a yeah. overused phrase, but it does make sense on Disney Plus. And also, I thought it was smart that they've sort of separated it from the rest of the stuff. So, anybody who's got any doubts about is this canon? In, I'm doing the little air quotes. Is this canon? No, it's it's sort of its own separate little thing. So far, I've had a chance to watch. I've watched about the first hour of Caravan of Courage, which was a film I loved as a kid, really enjoyed. A kid, I was 13 when it came out. I wasn't exactly a tot or anything, but but I really enjoyed it because obviously it was post-Jedi, mm. so this is where we learned that there's going to be more stuff. The first time we realised after episode six comes out and you're thinking it's done now, we're finished. We might get one, two and three, but that's you're not going to get anything after. And then Ewoks comes out, you know, Caravan of Courage. So it was really fun to see, and I hadn't seen it for, I bet it's, 20 years comfortably since I've seen Caravan of Courage, comfortably, probably longer, and was really surprised how still how kind of charming it is. And yeah, the visuals are like really, they're not amazing. The map paintings are beautiful. That's what completely sells it. And the performances are great. The visual effects are not the best, but it's still just so much fun to go back to that. So I do want to watch that. And then I want to watch Battle for Endor, which I, you know, I watched it once, maybe twice years back when it came out here on VHS. MGM released it weirdly, which is, which is another conversation to have. How many different companies have released Star Wars products? Do you think it's just Fox and it's not? Because Warner's did Clone Wars and MGM released yeah. Battle for Endor. And obviously mm. that was a tough watch. So, but I do want to watch it again just to make sure I'm not misrepresented it in my head, but I do remember it being awful. And then I definitely want to get into watching Ewoks because it was the one show back then I would sort of watch it if it was on, but I wouldn't uh-huh, I wouldn't yeah. set aside the time to watch it. But now over the years, different things I've done in, in magazine writing and stuff, I've been able to pull information from some of those cartoons and fold it in in different places. So oh, okay. I, you know, so without having really delved into it too much. So I kind of want to go through them and watch them just so they've passed through my my head at some point of my life so i do want to do it yeah i mean they're they're fun and they're only 20 odd minutes so it's you know you can easily do it it's a bit like the clone wars of agendi tarakoski that's worth re-watching but they're so short some of them that it's you can kind of get through a good few episodes mm. in a lunch break or something like that which is basically what i'm planning to do next week when i'm returned to work the droids cartoon series wasn't part of the initial drop or announcement but stars.com have since gone and, and said that the star wars droids animated series is slated to join the rest of a vintage collection later this year so it's coming and it's quite nice that they may be spreading it out a little bit so there's a bit of a eking out a little bit of extra press release and content for for disney plus so you gotta be happy about that's coming right like crazy i mean to have anthony daniels be the voice that was a lot of fun gave it a validity a lot of ilm has worked on droids you know ben burke directed episodes joe johnson worked on the design you know there's a lot of people involved in it yeah, I, I love droids i'm really looking forward to it and, and again it's another show i've not watched for a long time because it's been so hard to get your hands on. I mean, there was the VHS releases that we got. The States got them as well. There was the sort of the edited versions that came out on DVD, but it was a region one, so it was difficult to get to play over here. 
there's always stuff knocking about online, and I think most people have got shonky copies. But yeah, it'll be nice to see what they do because I'm hearing that the Ewok cartoons apparently look really nice. I don't know if they've remastered them or cleaned them up or what, but I'm hearing that they look really nice and crisp. Droids would really benefit from that cleaner presentation, you know. Mm. And I just wonder, I know there's the, the intro music they had issues with, and, and that's always been a problem, but. I'm very curious to see how it'll look. Really looking forward to that. The Ewoks cartoon looked good. I mean, it, it still looks of its time, to be fair. The animation, from what I remembered what it looked like to actually what I saw last night, I was kind of like, oh, it's not as good as I remember it. But then, obviously, as you say, kind of things change and animations change. And I have no idea what the budget is for, for an episode of Ewoks and that. So it's, you know, it is what it is. Big chance is that actually a lot of this cleanup work kind of happens sometimes just via the ingest into the streaming servers because they tend to all have like noise reduction al- algorithms as you ingest footage in and stuff like that. So hopefully it will look good. Amen. It's me, Kevin Smith, Star Wars fan, Fantatrax fan. Let's move on to the Bad Batch trailer. How cool did that look? Beautiful animation. They're definitely sort of taking you on that. You know when they brought the Clone Wars back for Season 7 and you looked at it and you thought, it's not quite the same as what we had in the previous six seasons of the Clone Wars. And it kind of had a halfway house between Rebels and Clone Wars, but a really sweet halfway house, if that makes sense. Because obviously, Clone Wars cost a fortune back in the day, but technology's moved on, and you know, and you've got to consider all the assets that they were using. It's expensive stuff to design. Bad Batch picks up visually, stylistically from season seven, and that trailer just so much sort of kinetic energy. Those characters, they're rough house, knock them down, drag them out type characters. So it'd be kind of refreshing in a way to have that style in Star Wars today, because to me, The Bad Batch feels like a TV show that if they'd have had the budget and the capability to do it in the 90s, this is what you would have got in the 90s. It had that vibe in the night, that Dark Horse vibe, that... Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, oh, the Boba Fett and Jabba Hook comics, it's that kind of feel to me. It'll obviously be more nuanced than that. But yeah, what a trailer, and then we get to see a bit more of Fennec Shand as well. Absolutely, it's totally action-packed. And what I quite liked about the trailer was it's that whole thing of kind of setting up the series in a really easy way to understand without kind of getting too like expositionally heavy so that people can kind of get an idea of what's going on without necessarily having to watch for Clone Wars because of course there's going to be people now who will be jumping onto the series who may not have seen the Clone Wars because True. of stuff like the, the Mandalorian so obviously having somebody like Fennec Shand in the trailer as well that just it's, it's just one of those kind of nice touchstones and hopefully that character also because now that you know she's also voiced by Ming-Na Wen which is great we're going to see a little bit more backstory to Fennec and maybe even something that may link into what we see in the Book of Boba Fett, which will be just kind of like that nice connectivity that we really want from the Star Wars series these days. To begin with, I wasn't quite sure when that Camino scene was set. Is that set after Order 66? Is that set prior to that? I don't know if it's a flashback and that. I mean, you've got Tarkin. He's looking quite old. I didn't totally look at his rank badge. I had to know whether or not that was Imperial Tarkin or Republic era Tarkin. Yeah. And generally, I thought the kind of show we're going to get is pretty much what we've seen in the trailer, I would think. Cool that we saw Captain Rex as well. That was quite a surprise. Did you spot him? He was on the planet with all the, the like the downed Venator starships yes. and stuff. Yes, yes, so, yes. So that's cool. Again, that will be interesting to see how those two groups connect and that because obviously they would have met in the clone wars and that and you know we don't necessarily know what happens directly after the clone wars with rex beyond what happens with ahsoka so does that mean that 
potentially we could see Ahsoka or has she gone off somewhere else or who knows. So I thought what was interesting was the, the young character, the young girl, but I don't know if you kind of saw it on the subtitles because I watched it with the subtitles on. Her name's Omega. Okay. You're thinking clone then, yeah? I'm thinking clone, but also obviously Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. So is this possibly the last clone, as it were, or is it a clone that they've done some kind of hybrid genetic work with because obviously she had blonde hair? Is that a case of another bad batch as such? Like maybe they've experimented and it hasn't worked out. But based from what we can see in the trailer, she's going to be like the entry point for those who probably haven't seen Star Wars Clone Wars or Rebels as such she kind of has that that younger appeal to her so maybe she's she's going to be there to appeal to the the younger audience and stuff and also she's got that cool energy bow so again there's there's similarities between maybe what we saw with Ezra and stuff but that's not to say that she's going to be force sensitive by any stretch but it's just it's quite nice how they're keeping to a similar kind of theme and some kind of levels to keep things easy for people to access it if they haven't seen stuff before. I'd be curious to stack up a photograph of that character Omega and stand the character next to young Boba Fett from Attack of the Clones. I could be completely wrong, but heads tell me their outfits could be quite similar. So so there is that. I think I like your logic of, you know, Omega, if it's on Kamino, the cloning aspect, because you get you move into the Imperial era and it's flip-flopped so many times. To be honest, I'm not quite sure where we are with it right now, but, you know, back in the day, back in the 70s when all the poster mags came out, the Imperial Stormtrooper was basically the drones of the Empire. They were cloned. The logic of it was that the army, those guys, were cloned and controlled. Very yeah. much something Lucas picked up on in the prequels. They closed down the droid army, so the droid armies are basically gone. They can't be controlled. They're shut off and done. But having clones that you can encode things like Order 66 into feels like a no-brainer. If the Emperor could do that in the prequel era, why wouldn't he do that in the Imperial era? Because he's played both sides against the other before and won to huge success in the prequel era. So why would he stop that now? You can enlist people and you can start this whole propaganda campaign. But that takes time and effort, like raising taxes takes time and effort. I still say, you know, one of the Empire's most prevalent missions was to raise taxes to fund the war, you know, to to fund the regime rather, you know, rather than the war. But nevertheless, there's all these boring taxation of trade routes around Naboo-type conversations that you can have around Star Wars that make the logic of it tick over. This character, this young character, she a female or he a male or whatever, we can't make any assumptions really. Nancy Cartwright voices Bart Simpson, so you know you can't you, you can't really yeah, true. You, know, yeah. you don't know. Nevertheless, that character they've sort of pitched the Bad Batch as mercenaries, Clone Force ninety nine, aren't they? They've pitched them as mercenaries in, yeah. in this incarnation post Order sixty six. Maybe they're getting this kid out so they can't clone him or her anymore. You know what I mean? There's lots of thought processes. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think when it came in, I thought oh. Do we need a kid? But like you say, like Ezra, like Anakin in Phantom Menace, it's a good in for younger kids. I'm sure they're hoping that Bad Batch runs for, you know, four seasons like Rebels or seven seasons like Clone Wars. Who knows? Well, that's it, isn't it? I suppose that's the question. Some of our action stuff that we kind of saw, I don't know if it was set on Naboo or if it was set on Onderon, but um, if it was set on Onderon then we know that's where Saw Gerrera was yes. fighting in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Is that now, a, again, a, a stepping stone towards Rogue One and the Rebel Alliance mm-hmm. and, and, again, connecting everything up in that way, which would be quite interesting. Um, there was kind of shots of Clone Force 99 literally kind of like, you know, running through all those battle droids. And, and I know some of them were in the kind of training grounds in Kamino. Yeah. But then some were kind of clearly out in a planet. Now, either that's a flashback or is that potentially that whilst 
Anakin went to Mustafire and told the, the Separatists to cease all action and turn off the droids, whether or not there's actually some Separatists who carried on fighting for a little bit. And actually, this is what we're seeing. We're seeing the Bad Batch kind of mopping up some of the, the droids and stuff around the galaxy. Yeah, I think with this as well, because they're mercs, that you're going to get to meet characters that other clones not necessarily would. So yeah, yeah you're going to come across scenarios where people have jury-rigged their own you know, droid control ships and using them to terrorise planets to get money out of them or whatever it might be, you know. And that bunch of characters, Hunter Echo, Tech Wrecker, Crosshair, they're just going to go piling in and they're going to be the Pretty much. They're the mercenaries, yeah. they're the men on a mission or men for hire. Exactly. I don't know if you, you noticed him, but there was that character who had the light whip who kind of looked like a Zygerian slaver, which again is characters that I think was Ahsoka got captured and taken into slavery at one yeah. point. It was that really awkward episode of the Clone Wars where she was dressed in not a, a great deal and Anakin went and saved her, obviously. So potentially, again, that could be one of those things that, like I said, they're going around them to the galaxy and they are, they're fighting the good fight, as it were, again, people who may be uh, the slavers the Empire might not be too fussed with it or they might have some kind of quiet agreement with about we use as our gear and slavers because we we need a lot of workforce to build I don't know yeah. a battle station and stuff like that you know so it could kind of all link that way so it definitely looks interesting and I can't wait for May the 4th so we can actually start watching it because I think it's going to be good do we know if it's like a double episode we're going to drop or feature length episode yet have they mentioned that anywhere they haven't you know? they say 70 minute premiere episode and if it's like normal, a regular episode of Clone Wars and Rebels is generally sort of 20 minutes, give or take. If it is a full-on 70-minute premiere, we don't That's have adverts. It's a mini adverts. feature, isn't it? It's a mini feature, mm. yeah. So let's hope it's its its own thing. It's a one-off premiere 70-minute episode. That's what it is and not George's idea of let's stitch the episodes of Clone Wars together and launch it as a feature film. But it kind of feels to me like it, it is that in a weird way. It wouldn't surprise me if at some point this cropped up on on ABC or something, you know, just to get people aware of it, to drag them over to yeah. Disney Plus. So it'd be a good idea if they did. But yeah, let, let's hope it's its own thing. Hey, I'm Matthew Reinhardt. Hi, I'm Kevin Wilson. And we're on Fanthatrax. Big news from Tatooine. We have an Obi-Wan Kenobi cast, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the news broke earlier this week on stars.com with a nice graphic of the main listed cast, which obviously includes Hugh McGregor and Hayden Christensen, but also a couple of familiar faces from the prequel era as well. Yeah, thrilled to see Joel Edgerton come back as Uncle Owen. Obviously, Bonnie Peace, who looks more like Amy Poehler every day, coming back as Aunt Beru. Yeah, we're not only getting <laughs> our prequel trilogy, live action prequel trilogy, Obi-Wan and Anakin back together but also our prequel trilogy, Owen and Beru as well. So, so that was yeah. a, great, a great move. We'd already heard all the rumours about certain other actors like India Ravama, which we talked about on the site. Uh, but well, let's just go through some of the names. I mean, there's some well-known names and some not so much. And Moses Ingram, I'm not familiar with her. I don't, I don't know her, any of her other work. But she did put a tweet out mentioning that she had been preparing with lightsabers. So some Interesting. people, yeah, some people have said is she a younger Ahsoka? If you look at the picture of her, which, as you say, was on stores.com and, and now on Fantha, to me, her her face, the shape of her face, very much, and it wouldn't make sense because this character's dead, but it might indicate her species, which is why people might be thinking Ahsoka. She looks to me like Shaq T with the high eyebrows and the very oval face. If you think of how Shaq looked. She has that mm. sort of look to me. So maybe people are putting two and two together in that respect. I, I don't know. 
Kamal Nanjani, uh, who's currently or will soon be in The Eternals, but he's been in plenty of other comedies over the years. He's in there. Now, we know he's ripped to ridiculousness at the moment in his pre- preparation for The Eternals, so who knows what character he's going to play. What do you think? Just looking at Lee's... I mean, we really are just putting a, wetting a finger and putting it up to the wind, aren't we? We've got no idea, but any thoughts? Well, that's the thing, because I kind of thought just by looking at the, um, the photo of Kamal, but possibly he could be an older kidster, because there's no indication of he's if he's actually screen or not yeah. off screen and because of his comic stuff i mean he could be playing some kind of droid yeah that's a good point yeah if you'd seen a picture of phoebe waller bridge and didn't know she was playing l3 you'd, you'd go oh she's a member of a royal family or she's a you know an imperial officer or whatever and then it turns out she's a droid so yeah you, there's no idea yeah probably the one person that at least i'm going to definitely typecast him is probably rupert friend he kind of looks very imperial officer to me so he could be the commanding officer for the imperial garrison on tatooine that would be my my guess and maybe he's like the main baddie maybe he's the one who's getting these kind of hints of oh actually there might be somebody here that i need to look at and obviously it's you know he may recognize obi-wan kenobi but might not be able to put his finger on who he is and stuff but yeah. um i get you but i'm kind of hoping that they go because the mustache twirling english actor as the bad guy is such a cliche exactly to me i'm looking at him because i, I loved him in homeland uh, i'm kind of hoping he's like a cassian type character in dear of we've talked about before another british actress O'Shea Jackson Jr., so he's Ice Cube's kid. He's not done a huge amount. He was brilliant in Straight Outta Compton, playing his dad. That's an awesome film. I love that film. Uh, apparently, he was, in, he was in Den of Thieves. He was in one of the Godzilla movies. So he's not done a huge amount. Clearly, he's shown enough that they want this guy in this, this show. And it feels to me that if they've picked an actor who's relatively unknown, there's something about his performance that they're like, that's specifically what we want to bring to this project. So yeah. he feels like he's been cherry-picked for a reason. Benny Safdie, who's primarily known as a director, but he's in the show. No idea what or who he's going to play. Obviously, they've not announced that. And Simone Kessel, interesting, just because of her name. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if she's playing a, um, a smuggler, that would be amazing. You know? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't <laughs> so- it? The best casting for me is Sun Kang, who people know from mm. the Fast and Furious movies. He played Han. In the Fast and Furious films, yeah. his nickname in Fast and Furious was Han Solo because he was from Seoul, and so he was Han Solo, and now he's in a Star Wars film. I mean, how much more perfect could that be? Exactly. You know, the force moves in mysterious ways, and everything just lines up exactly how you want it to. So. <laughs> but but yeah, so they um, Stars.com also announced that filming for this, so production's meant to be starting in April, and they did use an interesting kind of term, didn't they, just to describe the series. They referred to it as a special event series. Yes. Which was was quite an interesting. So they didn't call it like a limited series or like a a, sh- a short run series. They called it a special event series. So I, I guess and that's just to kind of e- emphasise the fact that this is a one-off micro series, and that's all at least for the time being we're likely to get. My gut tells me because we're they're saying this is a decade after Revenge of the Sith, so it's still nine years before A New Hope. They're going to do this, however many episodes, I don't know six, eight, whatever, four, I don't know. Uh, and they do this, and it comes out, and it's going to have huge interest because it's Hugh McGregor back in the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi, so massive interest. And I can't see it being anything other than a big hit because they're not going to put any old dross out. They're going to make sure this works because Obi-Wan is one of the OG characters, and he's too important to Star Wars not to do it right. I think what they'll do is they'll make this series, and they'll leave it for a couple of years, and then they'll come back to it when you're in sort of 52, 53, and go, we're like six or seven years ahead of New Hope now. 
how do you fancy coming back and doing it again? And Ewan goes, yeah, why not? And they do another six episodes. And they, and so they can do it as and when they want to do it. Because I don't imagine that Ewan, one, not that he's ever really been typecast as Obi-Wan because he's too varied an actor and he's had too much of a, other stuff going on that that's not become a thing for him particularly. But nevertheless, I don't think he would want to tie himself to the role in that sense. And he's also an executive producer, so he's, he's got another involvement in the show above and beyond what he's doing on screen. I just think they'll that's what they'll do because then other stories will be happening. You know, Andor will be hopefully a couple of three seasons in. Other shows might have come along and you just talked about Bad Batch sort of moving forward to the timeline. We don't know. You know, it's the old thing about Star Trek is like one year in Star Trek is one year in on Earth. And that never had to be the case. With Bad Batch, if they would have stepped forward five years between seasons, what's to stop them? What's yeah. to stop Bad Batch coming into the Rebels era, into the Rogue One era even, right up to A New Hope. What's to stop them? There's nothing to stop them. They could even end up in Endor, for all we know. Those characters could be there if they wanted to make it that way. Visual effects technology now, if they wanted to cast live-action versions of the Bad Batch characters and drop them into the Battle of Endor and stick it out on Disney Plus without telling anyone, they could do it. Disney have kind of got the technology, and I think they've got, if there's enough desire to do that, why not? I do quite like the idea of Kenobi coming back after a few years and, and having a, a second series or a second mini event or special event, as they call it. It's it's that interesting balance, isn't it, of weighing up how much new content, and when I say new content, I mean new character content, so actually introducing new characters into Star Wars universe in a way whereby they can run on their own, yeah, but relying on, as you said, the OG characters and that. Because obviously there's definitely stories to be told for some of these characters, but then at the same time, the only way that the franchise is going to grow and last for another 40 years is with new characters telling their own stories. So it, it'll be interesting just to see how they can kind of weave the two and balance the two. I mean, there might be hell. If What's-His-Face does actually play Kitster and it's really popular, we could end up with a Kitster series. And how amazing could that be? Scrap Falcon and Winter Soldier, we could actually have Kitster and Wald as a ongoing series on Disney+. Plus. Everything in one location. Daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds. Bookmark Fanthatracks.com for Star Wars News 24-7, 365. So, happy days. We've got a listener's question come in. It's from Pat Clifton, and it relates to something we've talked about earlier on in the episode. So, here we go. So, with Disney Plus now hosting archive material, what would you like to see from the vaults? old making of specials, maybe edited TV appearances. So basically, Pat's saying, you know, what stuff that we haven't got would you like to see? And delving into that question a little bit, obviously there's the making of, like he mentions, there's TV appearances, Donnie and Marie's and all that sort of stuff. There's chat show interviews. You know, you could really get into the nitty-gritty of the press tours if you wanted to. So, Mark, what would you like to see that we haven't seen yet so far? Oh, good question. Thanks for that, Pat. Definitely, I'd think some of those original trilogy making-ofs, which I've got on VHS, but I've never watched them on, on VHS. I think I've seen them on, on YouTube, again, 
bit like you said with droids, slightly dodgy kind of copies and stuff. So it would be great to have them on an official channel, cleaned up a little bit and just presented in a really nice way. But yeah, for some of those press tour stuff, I'm thinking back to Big Breakfast, yeah. June, July 1999, where yeah. they had Lucas on and everybody from Phantom Menace with Johnny Vaughn. That would be quite fun. Um, I'm sure that stuff hasn't aged very well whatsoever. But I suppose, <laughs> I mean, obviously the big question is, I watch a lot of late night chat show host stuff on YouTube, normally clips and stuff, but I'm not 100% up on who's on what channel, so which ones would possibly have the rights to. But I suppose yeah. with Disney owning like ABC, you could obviously go down that route. I'd be curious to see how they could package it up. Would you do it as like a, just like a clips or would you show the whole episode or, you know, I mean, it's, it would be interesting and it would be a great kind of time capsule. And certainly would be, I'd love to see some more of those early original Star Wars press conference stuff and what have oh, you yeah. and anything from from that area i mean i don't know did any of the, the, the cast might actually do any kind of talk show hosts before star wars came out i mean uh, yeah, other yeah, than the, like san diego yeah it was that's what i was going to say was san diego the big one i can think of was Worldcon. i think hamill and lippincott and kurtz went to Worldcon. they certainly went to san diego so uh, this, yeah. this footage there which you kind of consider that you know the new hope press tour or the star wars press tour as they would have called it and Carrie turned up on stuff, you know, certainly going into Empire. She was on that. I mean, she spoke French, so she did that French yeah. interview, you know, and Harrison Ford would turn up on different shows. So I think if you wanted to package it in a way, like I said, press tours, or that's the most linear way I can think of doing it, is that here's the, mm. here's the press they did related to Star Wars. Here's the stuff related to Empire. Hamill on The Muppet Show is already on Disney+. Plus. So if they want to pull that clip and put it in the Star Wars package, it's easy. Certain uh, interviews that are on ABC or its affiliates, they're easy. By the same token, if there's a clip of Hugh McGregor swinging his lightsaber around, you know, the whole story of him getting the role of Obi-Wan and running around to Noel Gallagher's house and them having a lightsaber fight in the middle of the night on the on his lawn sort of thing, which is a great story. On the BBC, all, all Disney Plus have to do is obviously get permission to use that clip and then links to on the screen, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I don't know how the rights work. You would know more about that than me. Whenever I've been making a show and you need to grab a clip from something. There's sometimes, at least in the UK, there's, you have to basically get permission, obviously, but depending on the length of clip and that, um, there's normally a price. So yeah. it will just kind of come down to the length of clip versus how much they want to they want to charge. And sometimes we've had to re-edit shows because we've, we've had a lot of archive stuff and then it's not been cleared ahead of time and then they've kind of gone, they want like 12 grand for two minutes worth of video. Yeah. Because obviously they know... But it's important to the show you're 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 putting together. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you're just basically just slapping up clips onto onto Disney Plus, it's going to be of interest to Star Wars fans. But I'm not 100 percent sure how the casual viewer would probably sit and want to watch all that stuff. But I suppose it's up there, so you you, you just don't know because that stuff would fall probably under well, like the Graham Norton stuff, maybe BBC Worldwide. So if BBC Worldwide has a exclusivity deal for their content with Amazon or Netflix or something like that, whether or not it would even be a you know a possibility. I suppose it would just come down to how much they'd want to do it. But saying that, I think anything that they've ever released on any of the DVDs, any of the, the Blu-rays, should be up on Disney+. Plus. I think that should just be up there straight away. You know, the R2-D2, is it... Behind was it behind the dome beneath or under the, the dome, dome? I think it was beneath, beneath the, the dome. dome. Yeah. That's on, yeah. So that that should kind of be up there, and all the little features and stuff from the prequel DVDs, which um, I don't think has not all of it made it onto onto the Blu-rays and stuff. So all that kind of stuff, I think, should be up there. Well, I agree with that. Like, let's say you're old making of making a Star Wars, yeah. SVFX making of Empire, classic creatures, 
from Star Wars to Jedi, making of a saga, all those things should be on there. But also, there's a lot of content that was on what, what I will call the old StarWars.com. So things yeah. like Anatomy mm. of a Dewback and all the hyperspace videos that were out there before. There might be fans out there who sort of managed to save them back in the day or they're on the Wayback Machine or something like that. But generally, they're harder to get your hands on now. So I think that sort of content would be really interesting to get. And they're, they're probably out there in other, other places right now. To get them on Disney+, Plus, there'd be a heck of a lot of value in that. But really... The old making of specials for me, that's that's where, what I would really like to see. And it's just that's why I think it's such a shame that Indiana Jones has swung towards Paramount Plus. Yeah. Because you've got all mm. that making of Raiders, making a Templar Doom, the, the Horizon program we had over here. There was a lot of behind the scenes programs that got made here in the UK. There was a couple about Empire. They sort of delved into the making of that doesn't get seen very much and they crop up on YouTube every now and again. But there was loads for Indy. I don't know if Paramount Plus are set up in anything like the same way as Disney Plus. I don't suppose they are because it's Paramount and CBS, so it's a different mix of brands. You know, they probably just want to get the episodes out there, whereas Disney Plus, by this Star Wars vintage endeavor that they've undertaken, and clearly there's more coming because Droids is coming, it feels more archival. They've they've expanded mm. it to like, oh, okay, we want to give you more detail because we know you love Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, and that's the modern version of. SVFX, the making of Empire or classic creatures. So they're giving the fans what they want, which I love. Some of that stuff, it was on the digital releases that they did. Uh, so I'm just wondering when they were 20, 15, 20, 16. Yeah, 16, something like that. So some of that stuff is on there. Surely that's just an easy win just to kind of go, right, here you go. Here's all, all this stuff. Just yeah. throw it up there. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't, unless it's just a, a matter of we, we might get to it or there's going to be a program, as it were. There'll be some kind of initiative that they're going to have. Somebody's going to be in charge of scheduling stuff and what goes up when and, you know, what the priority is about and and also i guess it will come down to whether or not lucasfilm has much say in it like do they need to put forward content or is it just somebody at disney and mm. for disney plus office and going what other stuff have you guys got that we could kind of throw up onto disney plus i don't quite know how it all works with them how interlinked and how much they talk between disney plus and you know the other studios and stuff so that's a good point you kind of think if it was lucasfilm knowing the fans love that old school element and now we're servicing modern fans with Mandalorian, Disney Gallery, all that sort of stuff, behind-the-scenes stuff. With the books, you know, I'm looking up the art of the Mandalorian is right here, so that, you know, there's a current look at, at that series. Maybe the sequel trilogy wasn't delved into quite enough, but there's time for that because we've only just got prequel book from Paul Duncan, and when did, you know, 16 years past Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, You know, there's time. Star Wars is a patient game. If you're a long-time fan, you've got to be patient. It doesn't just all come in the moment, and it shouldn't. But I think it's all sitting there, and it feels like an easy win. And maybe we're doing them a disservice because, you know, like I say, we've got droids coming, so who's to say that when droids comes, you won't get beneath the dome because there's kind of a link there. Uh, you've got that ILMX Labs uh, droid tales thing coming, so maybe there's a link up there. And maybe they're being clever about what they release and when. Jedi has got its 40th anniversary in a couple of years, so maybe they'll hold classic creatures and from Star Wars to Jedi back for that. 
there's not the mm. rush in that sense, is there? No, and I suppose you kind of hit it smack on the head, I think, when, when you say about, you know, we could be doing them a disservice. We don't know what they've got coming in, and kind of nor should we have. I think that is one aspect of the Star Wars fandom that I, I, I grow increasingly disliking is this fact that expectation that we should get everything now yeah. or that we deserve everything. And and yeah, okay, I mean, to be fair, it's only because, like, me and you, you know, we've been fans for such a long time, we, we know of all these different behind-the-scenes and all this kind of content we had on DVDs and blu-rays and stuff you're right there is bigger gap when it comes to the sequel trilogy when it comes to behind the scenes stuff and i guess that's partly just down to the fact that um with force awakens and with rise of skywalker jj was probably a little bit more secretive about what they were filming but from what i understand you know there was film cameras documenting all this stuff so again maybe it's a case of them flicking through it and 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 somebody making a call actually what could we put out? Yeah, that's true. There's there's documentaries. There's the director and the Jedi from Last Jedi, and there's the which is a great documentary. It is. It really is. And there's you know there's the making of Roger Skywalker documentary that was done that we looked at a few months ago, and so that there is stuff there. In time, I think it will be delved into in more depth. Hugely grateful for what we've got so far. Stoked to dive into it. Already looking forward yeah. to droids. But yeah, I want to get through those Ewoks cartoons. That's my big one. Well, thanks to Pat for that question. If you have a question about Star Wars, be it something completely esoteric or something very topical or any query or anything that doesn't make any sense, you're more than welcome to send us a email or a voice message. If you want to get in touch, Mark can tell you how you can do it. I certainly can. If you want to be a part of the action and stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news, visit fanthetracks.com or check out the free... Free! Tracks app. <laughs> Find the Tracks app through the App Store to follow us on your mobile device. You can reach out to us and send in your listeners' questions by emailing radio at fanthetracks.com. Do what Pat just did and <laughs> put it in post. Pat, that's what's in your head. <laughs> Do what Pat just did and put it in the post. Fill our saggy sacks and give us loads of questions to talk about on future episodes of Making Tracks. Comment, like, and share on any of our social media feeds at Fanthetracks and be sure to subscribe. Leave a review, preferably a five star one, on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice. And as always, thanks to James Semple for composing the Fanthetracks intro, Adam O'Brien for our Making Tracks opening music, and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers. Another episode in the can, I think. I think so. Thank you for listening. Have a good Easter, I guess. Have a oh, yeah. cracking Easter. Easter. Yeah. Wow, where's my eggs? Coming up next on Fanta Tracks Radio, it's another episode of Making Tracks.